0: Hello, it's Paul Scott here, UK small caps commentator and investor and writer of the small cap value reports on stockopedia.com with Graham Neary, which I've been writing these reports now for 10 years so um great fun it is too most of the time and we've got a fantastic community um which is just getting better and better by the day so uh the articles tend to be we review the day's small cap news and results for anyone not aware of our work and then the readers um contribute additional stuff in the reader comments and it's as i say it's just getting better and better because there isn't the background noise of all the trolls, given that Stockopedia is a subscription start site. So the quality of the discussion is just superb, absolutely brilliant. We've got some, It's where I think a lot of the really smart investors hang out. So, uh, yeah, we've created between us something really, really good, I think, on, on Stockopedia. Plus, of course, all the stock ranks and all the other editorial and uh, the stock reports are a brilliant way to just quickly... Uh, research any stock you know there's tons of great stuff on stockopedia and we really we do rely on the subscribers who uh, obviously pay for the service and pay for for my work so thank you um to everyone who's stuck with us this year been a tough year particularly with small caps so we're very grateful to the subscribers that are, are still with us and um hopefully welcoming new people coming in as well Obviously, the podcast doesn't gen- generate any revenue for anyone. So whilst it's nice that people listen to the podcast, I don't want to see it as a as an alternative to a Stockopedia subscription or I'll have to stop doing them. But uh, anyway, um, right. What did we? Well, I had a lovely Christmas. Thank you for asking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we I've got quite a small but perfectly formed family, as I call it. So there's only about 15 of us. But we all gather at my brother's place and sister-in-law's place in Cheshire. Sambach, and uh we just had a lovely time everyone gets on i'm so lucky that i've got a family that we all genuinely love each other and like each other you know they're people who i would want to be to have as friends even if we weren't related and we've got a new addition to the family my nephew has um uh is now a dad proud dad and the little uh, i mean babies don't really interest me because they don't do anything do they and you can't debate topics of the day with babies but when it's family it's different isn't it so we all enjoyed uh holding the new baby and seeing the new the new generation coming in so that was that was lovely and lots of really nice food and, and wine and so on. So I feel really refreshed, actually. Well, slightly groggy, but emotionally refreshed from Christmas. So that's good, because it's 2022, as you know, for small caps. has been a terrible year. I've just been looking at the charts for the main indices for this year. I'm recording this on New Year's Eve. Uh, the FTSE 100's pretty much flat for the year. Who would have thought that? You know, at the beginning of the year, everyone was saying, oh, you know, the FTSE's dead you know it's no good it hasn't gone anywhere for 20 years and all this sort of business uh of course it, to, it does pay good dividends but um of all the indices uh it's been pretty much the best one to hold in 2022 it's often the way isn't it the opposite of what you expect happens but all these fancy tech and growth shares obviously have crashed in value in uh, 2022 i would say mainly driven by the end of zero interest rates a 14-year experiment so it's been um a pretty seismic year this year uh it's strange because you could see a lot of these things coming but i mean i remember turning quite bearish last summer in 2021 and thinking look everything's overvalued interest rates and inflation are rising i put on a load of shorts last autumn in 2021 and got stretched off because the market had one big sort of final push up and um yeah, so I then really had a double whammy in 2022 of losing money on my on my hedges, which got stopped out, unfortunately, at the beginning of the year, and all my longs, really everything, I'm just in the wrong sectors, you know. Retail, e-commerce, hospitality, those are the shares that I tend to look most closely at. And of course, they've been the worst sectors to be in. Plus, in the first half of the year, I still had some gearing, which made it even worse. So for me, I mean, it's just been a terrible year. But I mean, I've never claimed to be the world's best investor. And I've comprehensively proved in 2022 that I'm definitely not the world's best investor. You know, I enjoy doing the analysis. I like doing the company specific stuff. And I think I'm pretty good at that. But in terms of timing the market and picking the right sectors and all that sort of thing, and, and and this year picking the right stocks, you know, I just haven't done a very good job, unfortunately. But I make good money most years, so hopefully uh, this is just a bit of a blip. Lots of lessons to, for me to ponder. I'll be writing a sort of year-end review, an Outlook for 2023 type uh, post on Stockopedia shortly. So I don't think I'll cover that in the podcast because I do want to leave... Um, The best stuff obviously for paying subscribers because they uh, put food on the table at a time when I can't take any money out of my portfolio because I don't want to be selling anything when uh, valuations are this low. So thanks again to all the subscribers. Okay, I think that covers the intro. So let's look at there are only three reports this week, week, uh due to the obviously the Christmas break. Wednesday, 28th of December. Oh, I should say as well, over Christmas. We normally have a, a big row over Brexit, but this year was a nice um a nice change in that Brexit was barely mentioned. Uh and I think we could all agree that 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 pretty much everything seems to have uh gone to shit this year, and that um all the politicians are useless. And the big row we had this Christmas was actually about Meghan and um, Harry. So, yes, I I got a strip torn off me and was told I was far too strident about it because I take a very dim view of what they've uh, been up to. Um, So, anyway, as a compromise to put the argument to bed, we all sat down. Well, not all, but most of us sat down and binged watched all six hours of Harry and Meghan's Netflix thing, which... uh, (laughs) god what can i say i have to say hearing it from their point of view and them getting all this bitterness off their chest i have to say i did feel a little bit of sympathy for them but not much and that's already rapidly um dwindling anyway as i always say let's keep shares blogs about shares so enough about that on to monday's report sorry wednesday's report the 28th of december very interesting out- announcement from Polarion, P-O-L-X. Now, this is not the sort of share that we would normally include in um, in a small cap value report because it's, it's more blue sky, really. Um, but some very shrewd friends of mine are all bullish on this one, or a lot of them are. And um, when I see a bunch of really shrewd, highly successful investors... Uh, all uh, um, gathering around one particular share, I sit up and take notice. And I did um, research it a year or two ago, and it's quite interesting. The um, I won't go into what it does, because I can't really remember. It's something to do with uh, uh, MRI machine imaging or something, some unique process that uses existing machines, I believe. I might be right or wrong on that. I can't remember. But anyway, it um, the shares crashed last year when FDA approval was denied. But anyway, this Wednesday, the twenty eighth of December, they announced FDA approval, and the shares shot up about forty percent. And I was actually thinking of having a little, uh, having a little um, punt on it because I closed out pretty much near the low at about forty five p. I think it was uh, over a year ago on the news of the FDA uh, denial in 2021. But anyway, something really strange happened. It went up to 43% to 71p on the news of the FDA approval. And it's come nearly all the way back down again, a huge volume. So I don't quite understand that. Um, Answers on a postcard, please, if you you can work out what's going on there. But it seems to be the case that holders of a considerable number of shares, many millions of shares, in fact took the spike up as as an opportunity to sell. So I don't know why. But anyway, I I still think Pilarina looks very interesting for a more blue sky, well, less blue sky now. It's got FDA approval, but a jam tomorrow type of share. But it does seem credible. And it's got some very credible financial backers as well. I think from memory, it's an Italian, big firm that's invested quite a lot of money in it so uh, that's interesting. Now the second share I looked at on Wednesday is a mystery share. I know this is frustrating for podcast only listeners but I've got to keep back the best stuff for subscribers otherwise there's no point in people Subscribing for the Small Cap Value Reports if I'm going to give away all the best ideas on a free podcast. So anyway, see Tuesday's uh, Wednesday's report for the Mystery Share, which is a very interesting special situation. Microcap, illiquid, but uh, it's just um, announced quite an interesting game-changing, I think, uh, announcement. So uh, Mystery Share on Wednesday. Graham looked at Argo Blockchain. I just don't know why he always covers this one, but it's like a red rug to a bull whenever Argo Blockchain ARB puts out any, any statement. Graham does a great long spiel on it. I can't see the point, really, because I don't think any readers are going to be interested in buying it. But anyway, he likes reporting on it. It seems to have got... Um, uh, we We wrote its obituary not long ago, but it seems to have... Raised a load of cash to partly um, pay off debt in a <clears throat> some sort of sell and operate back or lease back type of arrangement. Uh, we still think it's um, a pile of crap, though. So uh, the only thing that could save it, really, is if we get another bull run in, in blockchain. And I, I think personally, I think that looks very unlikely. But I have been quite surprised, actually, at crypto, so-called cryptocurrencies, which, of course, aren't currencies at all. Um, they're just a speculative mania. I think it's very... In- well, whilst we're accepting that blockchain technology itself does have some interesting niche uses, but the tokens, I think, uh, are worth nothing. But, you know, they're worth what only people are prepared to pay for them. I'm surprised, actually, crypto generally hasn't crashed completely given that other asset classes are all crashing. And uh, have you seen what's happened to NFTs? These non-ridiculous pixelated... Uh, so-called artworks that were selling for millions a while ago apparently now you can't give them away Uh, hardly surprising because there's little to no value in them but it's amazing the stuff people buy in um, a financial uh, frenzy that was obviously caused by the 14 year zero interest rate experiment anyway, uh, Graham looked at DP Eurasia as well, this is the Domino's pizza thing Um, something to do with divesting its Russian operations I believe I should say as well, the reader comments on Wednesday were very interesting. We had 85 reader comments. For some reason, don't know why, everyone started discussing Spotify, (laughs) which isn't uh, obviously even remotely linked to small caps. But often that's the case. You often find people just flag up. It's with the small cap rally reports where uh, thousands of readers converge each day. So often people start talking about lots of other shares. And I don't have a problem with that at all. Talk about anything you like. And uh, it's nice to be sort of uh, to, to pick up on other ideas outside the small cap space as well. So that was uh, well worth having a look at Wednesday's discussion, reader comments. I thought they were very, very good. OK, Thursday the 29th of December, Graham came up with an interesting idea. He said, why don't you ask the readers to, because there's not not really a lot of interesting news between Christmas and New Year uh so graham said why don't you ask the readers to chuck in some suggestions for things we could look at and we'll rank them by order of um how many people voted for them by giving that reader comment a thumbs up and we came up with quite an interesting list i had to groan though because people started asking for resources stocks which of course we don't cover and uh, large and mega caps (laughs) we had tesla bt Oh, God, and I know mid-caps, that stuff that we don't write about. But I thought, well, look, if that's what the readers want us to cover, we should cover it. We've requested um, suggestions. You know, I didn't stipulate it had to be small caps. So, you know, at the end of the day, the, the readers pay our wages, so uh, or rather our fees, because we're all freelancers. Um, we should we should cover what the readers want us to cover. So, anyway, the first bit of news for Thursday that I looked at was Bidstack. Now, this is one of those... Um, Jam tomorrow, blue skyish type of stocks that I always looks interesting. It um, it does advertising in within um, computer games, uh, dynamic advertising. You know, not fixed, but that advertisers can pay for. It's always looked a very interesting share, but the the financial performance has been terrible. You know, it's a big cash burner. Now I'm a bit uneasy about this. Um, Bidstack B I D S is the uh, ticker the managing director is resigning now this is not the ceo but uh i think he sort of runs the operating business from if you can call it that he's going to become a staying on as a strategic advisor and there's a 13.5% shareholder called erdito bv bv is like the limited isn't it limited company for uh, I forget which country, is it? is it the Netherlands or some of the European countries, I think, use the phrase BV. I'll have to Google that. Uh, anyway, this uh, Dito BV made a £5 million strategic investment in October this year. Um, and its CEO is now becoming a non-exec director at Bidstack. Now, I've speculated whether this all hints that things may not be going so well, possibly at Bidstack. And the COO, Camilla Franklin, is joining the main Board and the CEO's comments, I thought, were weird, where he said he looks forward to her mentoring him. I thought, well, you don't expect to hear that from a CEO, do you? So I don't know what's going on there, but it sounds as if maybe things are not uh, going particularly well. But then in the Outlook comments, the CEO eulogises on the uh, outgoing management director and claims the business, quote, business has never been in better shape, unquote and, quote, our pipeline of revenue for Q1 is looking stronger than ever, end quote. This is for Bidstack. It raised £10 million in a fundraiser in October 2022 at 2.85p, and it burns roughly £10 million a year, so it'll probably have to come back to raise more money in 2023. I think the clock's ticking with this. One of the worst things you can be in at the moment is highly speculative, highly cash-burning companies that need to raise more cash. That's the worst area of the market to be in right now. So I think you need to be very, very careful with BidStack and all of these uh, jam tomorrow companies that are running out of cash, because we're already seeing fundraisers being done at sort of eighty percent discounts or even worse. Uh, there've been a number of those recently. You know why? Why be a sitting duck when you can work out from the figures that what the cash burn is, and you can you can plot within a few months where it's, these companies are going to next need to raise cash. And I just think in the current market, you don't want to be. Uh, sitting there in the, in the tracks of any company that needs to raise fresh money, particularly not these small speculative things. So really, that's one of my top themes at the moment: is just sort of what to avoid. Uh, you know, balance sheet analysis has never been more important in a bear market where the funding windows slam shut. Or to prize it open, companies have, a, have to offer have to kill off existing equity effectively by offering massive discounts and you effectively then get the ownership of the company transferring largely to the people who are prepared to put in fresh cash with existing shareholders largely wiped out. So you know these things you can avoid these things. It's always obvious when a company needs to raise fresh cash. Uh, <clears throat> why ignore that risk? Now uh, one of the reader requests, I looked at Somero Enterprises. 75 readers voted for us to look at that. It's a long-standing SCVR favourite. The ticket is for Somero is SOM. It's the laser-guided concrete screening machine's main market is in the US, but it's been happily listed on AIM for many, many, many years. Now, I, I took a fresh look at it. But there wasn't really a lot more to say. It was the last trading update was on in uh, September 2022. We always cover trading updates and results from Somero. Um <clears throat> They also confirmed in October that Hurricane Ian had not caused any material damage or disruption to the company, which is based in in the US. Uh, Now, I've concluded here, valuation looks really cheap. The forward P on Somero is 7.4. You've got an 11% dividend yield, but I think that might include special dividends. And as one of the readers correctly pointed out, you know, if there is a downturn in business, because I think it's almost certainly at or beyond peak earnings, it's had a, two or three very, very good years. So that could, you know, I think we're all aware of the fact that earnings at Somero could could drop. But I've I've said here, you know, even if profits drop by half, which would take it back down to 2017 levels of profit, you'd still only be on a PE of about 15, which is, this is a cash-rich, highly cash-generated business, remember, which is probably a fair price. So uh, currently valued at 7 PE of 74 you know, your upside here could come from potentially uh earnings remaining more robust than people currently the market currently seems to think. Uh and um yeah, I just I really, really like this business model. It's got really strong pricing power. Uh it's all about the service. The machines themselves can be reverse-engineered, but um with the selling of the machines the Osomero is also selling a 24-hour uh, helpline, service, multilingual. And of course, being concrete, if one of these machines goes wrong, in an hour, you've got one hour to fix it. If you can't fix it within the hour, the concrete sets. And, you know, somebody then has to basically get out a hammer and a chisel and take the machine apart and get all the set concrete concrete out of it. So that's why service is so important. And um, people who need these laser-guided machines seem to find it best to just buy them from Somero and know that nothing's going to go wrong. Uh, I've commented here as well. Both the chairman and CEO are getting on a bit. Uh, the CEO in particular, I think, is a great guy. I've met him a few times and interviewed him. He's really, really uh, a safe pair of hands, I think. But you know, he'll want to retire at some point. I think he's mid seventies now. The chairman's considerably older than that, I believe. I don't have a problem with uh, uh, whatever age people are if they're doing a good job. Um, you know, and they're then then. Age shouldn't be a barrier, I don't think. Uh, but I do think, combined with a, a, a fragmented shareholding structure, I think the biggest shareholders are only uh, in single digits at Somero, looks an obvious candidate for a takeover bid. So I've I've concluded that I wouldn't be a seller of Somero if I held, which I don't currently. Um, I think for people who, who take a long-term view, you should do fine on this one, I think. And you'll get nice divvies along the way. Very low risk because it's got plenty of net cash. Uh, what else did I look at? Oh, the readers asked me to look at Phonics Mobile FNX. This is a 200 million market cap company. Now, this has been one of the best floats uh, of recent years, floated in, in small caps, floated in October 2020. I remember speaking to management shortly after that in early 2021, and I posted a positive view of the company. I went into quite a lot of detail actually. I reviewed the admission document in a post on stockopedia in february 2021 which uh is still actually quite relevant in um identifying what the company does and what the main business risks are it does these um voting phone-in type things for ah. <gasps> oh, there you go the obligatory cup. <laughs> there's always one in every podcast i don't know why so um What were we saying about phonics? Oh, yeah, it does these voting things for programmes like I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Fear. Uh, Do Strictly do voting? I think they might do. Big Brother, uh, Children in Need is a big one. And what you find is that phonics, I think they're still saying they've never lost a client. So what tends to happen is because their service just works, you know, and always works, um, customers... It's the safe option. It's the equivalent of buying IBM. You know, nobody got, gets fired for using Phonics for their phone-ins because it always works. So that stickiness of the clients and pretty good profit margins makes this a really lovely business, I think. So I do like Phonics a lot on fundamentals and it's growing and it says it's got new products coming. The only thing I would say is it's quite expensive. Yeah, you know, it's not cheap. You're paying a PE, I think, of about twenty-three. Um uh, so that doesn't leave any room for anything going wrong, of course. But uh, now, the next reader request, Sylvania Pla- Platinum. Oh, God. Well, anyway, we got, uh, what was it, 159 reader thumbs-ups for me to look at this. Now, to be fair, Jack Brumby, when he was uh, working with me, um, what a what a great guy Jack is. Uh, he was just such a pleasure to work with. So I hope he's doing well, and I'm sure he is. He's now... Um, An analyst, I think, for a stockbroker. So a big shout out to you, Jack, if you're listening. Um, So uh, Jack used to cover Sylvania Platinum. Now, you know, I do know a bit about resources stocks, to be fair, but um, I do feel it's a sector specialism where if I was going to start commenting on the shares, you know, I don't feel I've got enough knowledge on them to really uh, comment on this specialised area. But I did have a look at Sylvania Platinum. The way I approached it is, I'm not going to give any uh, half baked opinions on things i don't know about in terms of you know it 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 mines platinum group minerals in south africa i know nothing i had to google what platinum group minerals are and you know i have no idea what the prices of them are going to do and all the rest of it so i just focus on the numbers on the stock report and i looked at the most recent accounts anyway i came away tremendously impressed Forward P for Sylvania Platinum is only 4.9. You've got a cracking dividend yield of 7.2%. You've also got really strong asset backing. The price to tangible book value is only 1.31. And obviously the lower that figure is, the better. Uh, uh, So so 1.3 times tangible book value means it's really strongly asset backed. Uh, I also looked at the Q1 results. It's got $139 million in cash, no debt, and it made an 18.6 million net profit. It didn't define what net profit is, but I presume they mean profit after tax. That was just for Q1, 18.6 million profit. Uh, Uh, And the market cap is only £276 million. I looked at the last balance sheet at June 22, and it looks amazing. Absolutely stuffed full of cash, no debt. So I've got to say, on the basis of the the numbers, I I absolutely love Sylvania Platinum. I think it looks fantastic. Now, obviously, readers then need to do your own deeper research to find out why it's so cheap. Why is it... Uh, the market not valuing it at much the only ideas I could come up with were perceived risk from operations in South Africa maybe economic and political and stability risks but you know people have been worrying about that for donkey's years and it's still everything seems to carry on doesn't it um and Uh, You've obviously got price volatility of the mined products themselves, although they didn't actually look, I looked at the long-term charts and the price of platinum didn't look that volatile particularly, Um, and I wondered if the move to electric vehicles might reduce demand for metals used in catalytic converters, which apparently is one of the primary uses for platinum group minerals, but just because... Britain and I think in European countries they're moving away from internal combustion engine vehicles. Doesn't necessarily mean the rest of the world will, does it? You know, um, I do often wonder if by you know taking taking a, the, a leadership role in in renewables and all that sort of thing, if the West Western Europe is just exporting the pollution maybe to uh, India and China where you know they're they're, they're operating all these uh, coal mines and generating electricity from coal and so on. Um, So the pollution just comes out, but on the other side of the world, inside of this side of the world. But I don't know, look, I mean, uh, there we go. That's a different topic altogether, isn't it? Um, So anyway, bottom line, I think Sylvania Platinum looks a cracking value share. Uh, Over to you to, to try and work out why it's so cheap. Is that an opportunity or is that a sign of, Trouble ahead. I don't know. That's for you to to look into. Now, a reader's also asked me to look at Saga again. Again, uh, the, there's just been a new three percent shareholder just declared, which I looked at their website and they seem to be a sort of uh, a contrarian value type investing fund. That's quite interesting. Now, Saga's up about fifty percent from the recent lows. I do still hold this one. Obviously, as I've reported before, I ditched most of my small cap positions. Uh, in mid-2022 because I couldn't take any more pain on the Spreadex account, so I just closed everything and, and shut the account because I, I don't want to be using gearing at all going forwards. Uh, that's my big sort of uh, learning from 2022. As always, I also always have to do my learnings the hard way and repeatedly, <laughs> but there we go, all part of Life's Rich Pageant. Um, very interesting that Saga seems to be going up almost every day now, so I look fresh at it, and the downtrend in broker forecasts stopped about three months ago. Now, the brokers are only forecasting break even for financial year <coughs> january twenty twenty three which does seem to be gloomy um, given that the latest guidance given by Saga in September, which I reported on on stockopedia, was for a profit of between twenty and thirty million um and obviously there's a big depreciation charge in there for the cruise ships so the cash flow at saga could could still be quite uh impressive and that's why personally i'm not that bothered about the bonds now i've noticed that the 2024 bond is trading not far below par and actually on relatively low yield, although i think the figure on yield i picked up on Running yield, I think, wasn't the same as the yield to maturity. I'm not sure; I'd have to double check. But it's trading at about ninety, so it it should redeem at par in 2024. So you would get quite a big uplift there, wouldn't you? On um, on that, so actually, I think the yield to maturity would work out at something like maybe 11 or 12 percent on the 2024 bond. I think that's just in my head. Now, the 20, but, but the other thing is, remember, Saga has already got all the money. On its balance sheet in the bank to repay the 150 million that's outstanding on the 2024 bond, so that bond really shouldn't be an issue at all. It should get repaid in full, or you know, maybe they maybe they roll it over. I don't know. That's what they did um, in 2021, of course. You know, it's not an all-or-nothing thing with these bonds, although the bond markets, I'm, I'm told, are still quite dislocated. But you know, 2024. That's almost 18 months away for the, I think it's May, for the redemption or refinancing of that bond. And they've already got the money in the bank. So that just is not an issue. The 2026 bond, which is bigger, it's 250 million, that is... Uh, has got a question mark over it where's the money going to come from if they've got to pay that in full well i think it should be able to generate a fair bit of cash between now and 2026 and probably you know maybe they'll do another rollover uh, or a second issue of a bond in 2025 or something Um, i think people are being unduly pessimistic about it but the 2026 bond is i mean it's no different to my mind to the many companies that have bank facilities which are higher risk i would say uh You won't find many companies that have got bank facilities agreed past 2026. So why is a 2026 bond any different to having a bank facility that's up for renewal in 2025 that may not be renewed? I mean, look at the problems Superdry recently had uh, where it couldn't renew its bank facilities. It had to go with an, an alternative lender. So I don't see why people would look at Saga and see it as particularly high risk. I don't think it is. Some of the readers do. And it's fine. It's fine to disagree. Um, you know, we get one or two rather uh, dismissive comments from some of the readers sometimes. I don't mind people taking... In fact, I like people taking a different uh, contrarian view. But uh rather than uh, phrasing it as being that you think everyone else is an idiot, maybe just actually give the facts and figures as to why you uh, believe what you believe. I'm always happy to to read and debate uh, alternative points of view but for me personally as things currently stand i don't see saga as particularly high risk uh, now if 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 uh, profitability were to take another lurch down and it ended up making losses that's a different matter altogether now uh, then the the covenants would start to become an issue or it would be getting close to covenants becoming an issue which it's not currently but it might so so i'm not saying ignore the risk i'm just saying Currently, as things stand, Saga looks OK, but it, if things deteriorate further and it ends up making losses, then I think I would cut the cord and just sell them. Was that the point where uh, risk would be too high? But currently, I think it's OK. And Ned recently spent 200 grand buying shares at 94p. That's quite encouraging. Uh, there's no bank debt, of course, an unutilised RCF at Saga. And of course, it's been hit so much by Covid, the travel and cruise division was basically shut down wasn't it on and off for for several years well that's now re, should be rebuilding so i don't see why you would imagine that profitability would continue falling when um a, a significant part of the business is actually now recovering but we'll see as i say i'm not emotionally attached to it i just look at the numbers and form a view based on the numbers sorry this is going on a bit rm dot uh, i looked at next now this is very interesting 52p a share more than doubled from a recent low i flagged up that several of my favorite readers who always post good stuff so shout out they're all converging on this and if that happens again as i mentioned before if you see a lot of smart people all buying a particular stock it's worth looking at because chances are they'll probably be right more often than not so we've got roger h mojo Magaz. Boone, Aston Girl and Planet X, all very good uh, subscribers and commenters. They've flagged up the news the previous day from RM, an educational supplies and software business. Now, what they've done, we've more or less rejected this one as being too high risk with operational and financial problems. But since then, it's sold two of its software businesses for 12 million cash plus a further possible 4 million uh, which makes a nice dent in its cash pile. But they good businesses, trouble is, it's losing 2 million a year PPT from the sale of those businesses. So it's more of a, I think, more of a fire sale that they need to get their debt down rather than being a particularly good disposal. But this is the interesting bit. Um, they found, uh, how much was it? 10 or 12 million pounds or dollars? Yeah, here we are, $10.2 million. They found down the back of the sofa with a load of ip addresses that weren't on the balance sheet at anything now i don't understand this but they seem to have block bought huge numbers of ip addresses for some particular reason i don't know why and they've just sold 200 and... no sorry they've still got 294000 ip addresses remaining uh and somebody at the company bought these things for nothing it says uh, there're no cost related to them and now they're worth millions of pounds well isn't that interesting and they've sold 4.1 million pounds within within financial year november 2022 which is all going to be uh, helping the deleveraging of course and net asset value will go up i think 12.6 million of total uh, assets in the books at zero uh, and as one of the readers pointed out you know sometimes intangible assets do have a value uh, that's absolutely right goodwill doesn't normally have any value but but if it's an intangible asset with a resale value as these i p addresses seems to have been what a nice surprise for shareholders and for the bank manager that it's suddenly conjured up all these assets um out of thin air really uh, so that I think changes my fundamental view on r m in that I think this now looks a lot more interesting and worth researching more detail because this is going to help it um reduce its debt significantly now graham wow he 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 uh, he looked at tesla t s l a as far as you can get from a UK small cap, it's a UK megatech. But that's what the readers voted for us to look at in the suggestions. And Graham knows this one very, very well. He shorted it in the past, but uh, he's recently banked, I think, his profits on a put option. So well done, Graham, there. Shorting's all about timing. I've shorted Tesla loads of times, and it's frustrating because I knew it was ridiculously overvalued, and still is. Uh, and it's dropped by about three quarters in the last year. But I, I've lost money every time I've shorted it, unfortunately. So that I don't do shorting anymore. I'm hopeless at it. Uh, timing is everything with shorts, and it's it's very high risk. Anyway, Graham wrote an absolute masterpiece of a, a post on Tesla. So that is on Thursday's report. The readers seem to love the report. We got nearly 200 thumbs-ups for that report on Thursday. So we we're delighted to see that people um, liked the idea of us covering... You'll read a request, so I think we might do that a bit more in future. Actually, get you voting on which stocks you want to look at. So I think leave that with us. We'll we'll work out something for 2023 on that because we do want to be responsive to what the readers want. Obviously, you're paying our fees, so uh, it's not just about writing about things we think are interesting, uh, although that is a necessary part of it, but. We also want to look at stuff that uh, you actually want us to report on. So we're very, uh, we've very we taken on board all the comments throughout the year on that, and I think we've uh, responded um, quite considerably to uh, the, the, some concerns that some people put out about that. And as I say, uh, we've covered over 400 companies this year, which is about a quarter of the entire UK market, so... Uh, <laughs> You know, if you can't find anything in there of interest, then um, that's quite surprising. So uh, we do cover a hell of a lot. And and I think it's fair to say, while most of my main themes for this year just haven't worked, you know, the retail, hospitality and e-commerce stuff generally has been very, very poor this year. So again, apologies for that. You know, my investment themes this year just haven't worked. But we have throughout the year found lots of little uh, gems, Um, just things like Begbie's train has done all right. We've spotted war paint early on. That's done well. I mean, there's quite there's quite a few. At some point, I'm going to go through the um, uh, shoe zone. We've reported on quite a few times throughout the year. That's done well. Uh, Load what's it called? check. We did pick up on that. We were a bit late, but um, you know. And there's quite a few of the companies that have done well this year that we have reported on in the small cap value reports. So I think to categorise it as just being a totally dismal year. Uh, isn't entirely accurate but obviously you know something like 80% of shares have gone down this year and about 20% have gone up something like that so obviously uh, most commenters have um, have uh, generally had a bad year because in a down market just you know that's what happens isn't it we just have to take an occasional bad year in our stride uh, okay, Friday, the thirtieth of December. Yesterday, I wrote this as usual on Fridays. I write the report solo. There wasn't really much to report on. Very interesting news from Nexus Infrastructure. N E X S. Um, it sold the uh, main part of the business, which is um, for around the previous day's mu- 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 share price market cap. So, uh, and, and the CEO and CFO are going with the disposal, to the disposed company. Uh, They say they're going to do a tender offer with the cash proceeds, but we don't know at what price. So I think this one, um, it's going to leave behind, though, a very small business, which I think is only going to be trading around break-even. So it's a bit of an unusual one, where management disappear with the main operating business. You think, well, do you want to be holding the shares after this disposal has gone through? Well the answer is you need to do more detailed research on it because it could be quite a nice um they're only I think they're only going to give away a, a tender offer of most of the cash, but there'll be some you know, there could be a nice well financed, cash rich very small company remaining after the tender offer has been done so that's a bit of a special situation where it needs a lot more work there are no broker uh, uh, research notes available unfortunately as well so I couldn't really take that idea any further but it's a it's a material announcement the shares went up quite a lot now I also looked at Barkby B-A-R-K this is very small but what you've got to realize is we need to get something into the system into the um, archive so that people can then look up lots of different companies so i only wrote about barkby a small quick comment section just to basically say i've looked at the figures and i don't think it's any good at all Uh, i've borrowed graham's phrase avoid this with vigor for a number of reasons Um, it only just got its interim accounts out on the six month deadline for rain companies on the last day so that's just avoided it being suspended it's dependent on a substantial loan uh, it's got quite significantly negative net tangible asset value. Uh, value. It's running, um, it's a small scale property development of roadside sort of drive through type things. And it's keeping a few of them on the books, so earning a rental stream from them. But it's so small, I cannot, you know, it doesn't really even cover the costs of employing the board and of having a listing. And it's got pub operations, but only nine pubs. Let's face it, pubs are just an awful sector at the moment. It's very difficult to make any money at all from operating pubs right now. And I don't see what's going to change to, to make that better. Um, and it's got a bunch of loss-making non-core businesses that it's trying to sell. So I cannot see any value in Barkby. So I wouldn't. I just wouldn't get involved with that. That's an avoid. Oh, and it also says it's talking to supportive major shareholders about raising fresh equity. So you've also got dilution risk, so I would just avoid that. I can't see any reason why it's listed. Big uh, concentrated shareholdings, so I think I, you know, if I were them, I would just take it private. Can't see any point in Bark be, being listed at all. And we're seeing a mass exodus of companies like that from the public markets because the public markets are not attributing anything in in any significant value to these uh, smaller companies they're probably valued more in the private markets so that's why i think again a big theme for 2023 is i think large numbers of listed companies the smallest most speculative ones will probably disappear from from the stock market. And I think that's a good thing. Why have the market clogged up with hundreds and hundreds of dead end companies that also waste a lot of my time having to review accounts for things that you can clearly see are going nowhere. Talking of which, Invinity Energy Systems, IES, one of the readers, I think it was Well Wishier, a uh, flag this one, slightly cherry-picking good the good bits from an R&S. So I thought, oh, OK, I'll have a look at that. Well, it's pretty dire. It's um, massively cash-burning. It does energy storage, so some sort of battery technology, which in itself is obviously going to be one of the key themes... Because we need better battery technology to make renewables work, given that renewable energy is intermittent. So yes, I think battery uh, energy storage is a is a is a key investing area for the next few years. But the trouble with Invinity is it it's, it's it's it loses so much money, and it's incredibly heavily cash burning and it seems to have run out of cash again and is now drawing down on a convertible loan. So I've said here and and the this this supposedly upbeat upbeat trading update was actually a profit warning for twenty twenty two. Uh, orders are being deferred into 2023 but it's trumpeting you know how it's going to be ahead of expectations for 2023 whilst glossing over that it's behind expectations 2022 i don't see any sign of a, a viable business there and it's running out of cash and running up debt so i flag this as very high risk now the reader as i said i think it was well wish who said they held this share i said look just be really careful because you're going to lose your money probably well, thankfully, he came, I'm assuming it's a he, came back and said, it's only a small uh, fund money punt. So whew, I breathed a sigh of relief after reading that. Um, and you never know with these things, do you? Something amazing might suddenly happen. A gigantic order can come in, or they manage to get a fundraising away at a, at a, at a premium. You know, it's 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 not about this definitely being a dud. It's just about that the risk is very, very high when a speculative cash burning company runs out of money. Uh, I think that was it for Friday. There were a few other things I was going to look at, but I just gradually uh, ran out of time and energy. Anyway, I'm going to leave it there for uh, this week and this year. So 2022, certainly one of the worst years of my life. It's been horrendous. But, you know, um, I've still got a roof over my head, still got, you know, a reasonable pot of um, investments and so on. A lot smaller than it was but you know I've got everything I need so you've got to put all these things in context and um, I've got a work that I enjoy and that um, is time pressured and quite stressful at times but I like stress a certain amount of stress is good and it energizes you it's only when it gets too much isn't it That it, and it's the wrong type of stress when you are having to do things that you hate you know that must be um, pretty soul-destroying but anyway for me in life, generally, the glass is always half full. I'm an optimist. You know, We'll make our money back in the next bull market. Uh, and we go into... I don't know when the next bull market will happen, but I'm absolutely certain it will do, because it always does. Uh, and valuations now, I can, I'm looking at so many small caps where I'm looking at them and thinking, do you know what? Once the economy is recovering and earnings are improving, this share could be worth double the current price. I'm seeing dozens and dozens of companies like that and if you're getting dividends and they've got strong balance sheets as well you don't have to worry about dilution or insolvency risk as well so there are so many companies that i think taking a long-term view you'll do really really well on um it's whether you've got the balls to hold through all this current volatility and obviously hitting profit warnings there's going to be lots of profit warnings in 2023 so Yeah, I do think there's also an argument for maybe holding some cash back or keeping some money in defensive larger caps, maybe, uh, uh, so that you can sell them and and put the money into some small cap bargains when good companies disappoint and the shares drop down 20, 30 percent. You know, I think you're going to have lots of buying opportunities in the coming year. So I'm long term, very bullish on UK small caps, short term. I don't know what the hell's going to happen, nobody does, do they? That's all based on on sentiment which can turn on a dime, but looking at twenty twenty three there are there are there are very significant reasons for optimism, I think, maybe towards the second half of twenty twenty three inflation is obviously going to come down. you know you've only got to look at um all the forward looking factors on inflation. I think inflation could could come down quite rapidly actually. Uh, which would then mean the pressure on interest rates to rise further would would go away. You could even, if we go into a recession, which is almost certain, I think, in the short term, you could see interest rates come back down again. I don't think we're necessarily in a, in a new era of high interest rates. Why would you think that? Um, they're just putting rates up to be seen to be doing something about inflation, Uh, But with inflation rapidly falling in all likelihood in 2023, because the price of commodities uh, generally uh, have come down a huge amount. Um, Hopefully the energy crisis might resolve itself in in some way. Uh, I see natural gas prices in um, Europe and the UK are right back down again to pre-crisis levels. Who knows what's going to happen? I don't. But... Uh, there are lots of credible reasons to expect inflation to come down. We're not in a nineteen seventies type scenario where wage wages are spiraling. Wages are well below inflation, which I, in in a way I think is a, is a problem because it means depressed consumer demand. You know, so we've really I don't think we can just assume that everything's going to go back to normal anytime soon. I think we're looking at pretty depressed overall economic conditions but there will always be winners won't there within there and that's the clever bit isn't it spotting the companies that are going to outperform who knows maybe it's going to be this year's winners continuing to do well in next year maybe we'll see a sort of mean reversion type scenario where the really bombed out sectors like retail e-commerce hospitality and so on could start to recover strongly you know when something's dropped 90 percent you only need a very small reversal of that to to double from the from the bottom and we we actually have seen that with one or two things like Victorian plumbing we spotted right at the low point when it was about forty p thirty nine p and that that nearly doubled in the in the last few weeks so if you pick the right things um from these really bombed out sectors, you know, you can you can make some spectacular returns. Although it f- feels to me it's more like a trader's market to just get these big rebounds and then bank them and uh, try and find the next one. But look, I'm not a trader, so I'm the last person you should listen to on things like that. Right, I think I'm just going into rambling mode now. So... Um, this was meant to be a short podcast, as always. It's uh, it's gone on and on, but uh, I wish you a very, very happy New Year, and I think twenty twenty three. Let's hope it's a good one, without any tears. Um, to quote John and Yoko, and on that bombshell, I will uh, I'll sign off for the year. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you again to everyone for supporting us with your subscriptions. It's very, very much appreciated. And we'll keep doing what we do for as long as uh, you uh, find it enjoyable and value for money. (laughs) I hope. Thanks, everyone. And Happy New Year. Bye.